Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you are listening to episode 161 of the Sustainable Minimalist podcast. On today's show, we are bringing into the light the potentially hazardous chemicals often found in products that are marketed specifically to children. We're not going to stop there. We are also going to find ways to limit exposure to We live in a society that reveres plastic. There's the plastic packaging and containers. There's the plastic toys. There's the plastic in baby wipes even. But studies have shown that plastic is loaded with chemicals that can harm our and our children's health. And potentially hazardous chemicals are not just in plastic. Concerning ingredients are found in personal care products that we put on skin They're found in household products that go in our air. And chemicals are found in our foods, too, that we put inside our bodies. Simply put, hazardous toxins are everywhere. Even more troublesome here is that because babies and young children do not yet have fully developed immune systems, and because they breathe more than adults or about twice as many times per minute— They have twice the exposure from hazardous chemicals in their environment, and they may be more susceptible to their effects because their immune systems do not have the ability to yet clear out chemicals efficiently. Today on the podcast, I am speaking with Suthan Naganagayam. After his new baby faced an unimaginable health scare, Suthan was prompted to create Nikki's Natural Wipes, 
a baby wipe made from wood pulp, not plastic, manuka honey, coconut oil, and chamomile extract, not parabens, formaldehyde releasing agents, and chemical fragrance. Suthan argues that while it is impossible to completely curate an environment in which there are no toxins, he does believe that it is prudent to take steps to reduce exposure, and he is on the show to tell us how to do just that in practical ways that do not involve spending more money on more products that market themselves as, quote, the best or the most natural on the market. Stay tuned for after the interview because I am offering up 10 additional tips that will give you the most bang for your buck as you seek to limit you and your child's exposure to potentially hazardous chemicals. They are tips that Suthan and I just didn't get to in the interview. Enjoy my chat with Suthan Naganagayam. I became, me and my wife became parents um, and excited to become parents about three and a half years ago. Uh, the journey was a difficult journey to get pregnant. And so when my wife was pregnant, it was uh, like any first time parent, really exciting and um, overwhelming at the same time. We were so excited and we looked at everything a baby would need as a new parent, you know wipes, nappies, everything. And we thought we bought the best of the best. And our son, Nikesh, was born. And a healthy, normal baby, no issue whatsoever. He fed well. And about 15 days in, he got really sick. He had really high fever. At the same time, he was getting a little bit of rashes. Um, and me and my wife just couldn't work out what was wrong. So we took him to emergency because that's the first protocol you do um, when you don't know what's happening and the high fever. And we took him to the Children's Hospital in Monash in Australia. But they don't know what's wrong. So they always give you the worst case scenario. As a first time parent, you're hearing this, that your son's got high fever, could have brain failure, could have organ damage, all sorts of stuff coming through, you know, just and they just like to inform you of the worst case just to prepare you. So as a first-time parent walking in and thinking, wow, you know, we went on this journey and now it might not even last. Went through a number of different tests. He had a lumbar test, you know, a small spinal tap. It was just very heart-wrenching as a parent to see your newborn child coming into this world and going through so much pain. We found out he had a UTI. Uh, which is bad, but not that bad. But we caught it early. It did spread into his uh, liver. So that was a concerning, but we caught it early, had antibiotics. He was hospitalized for five days. At the same process, he was still getting irritations and rashes and his skin wasn't quite right. After he came out of the hospital, what we found was that the rashes were getting worse. The irritations were getting worse. He's getting red skin. It was got to a point that his skin was starting to peel off and we were using barrier cream. We thought the natural wipes and everything else as a new parent, but we just couldn't work out why this was happening. So me and my wife just stepped back and said, okay, look, let's have a different approach and looked at the ingredients and the products that we're using on his skin, we realized, wow, some of the ingredients in these baby products was actually toxic and a chemical 
toxins that you put in paint strippers and crude oil and in chemical environments to clean facilities and things like that. And now you're putting those into a baby's product. And we were just shocked. We were just like, wow. And we just couldn't believe it. Hmm. Well, I must say my heart is with you or was with you in those beginning days. You're back in the hospital. You and your wife are new parents. You're sleep deprived. You're trying to keep a newborn healthy, happy, fed, sleeping well. And you're just hit with a catastrophe, a medical catastrophe. You had said that as first-time parents, you stocked up on the best of the best. But I'm wondering, when you say um, you bought the best of the best, was it the holistic, non-toxic, natural stuff? Or was it just what you assumed was the best on the market? A bit of both. We were conscious of the environment. We try to be healthy, but I wouldn't say we were, you know, the extreme of naturalist, I guess. We bought what we thought was the natural baby wipes. We thought we bought the natural, biggest uh, branded, awful babies, right? Uh, Like the big baby brands. And we took it for granted their marketing spill because we didn't know anything better and our parents used this particular these brands to raise us so we said oh it's good for us perfect for our kids and the branding and the messaging natural no chemical things like that and we took that for granted we never looked deeper and we bought those when it came to wipes nappies creams and stuff that nature we just made assumption and we looked for brands which said natural great for babies helps with this things like that and because we assumed these brands which been around for years will do the right by their product to support their customers but not the bottom line what you speak of there is so common we hear a common name, a name that has been around for decades, a name with a good reputation, and I'm doing air quotes around the word good here, you can't see that, but a good reputation, and we just assume that their claims mean that they're good for our children, and we assume that if they make it, if this product, product X, makes it all the way onto the shelves of the store, we assume that the product must have gone through some rigorous safety testing. But in the United States, that is absolutely not the case. And I'm not sure about Australia. I would assume you guys are stricter than the United States. But here in America, we just uh, tend to assume as a culture that what is on the shelf is safe. So I have to skip ahead in your story a little bit and ask, what about now? Are you and your wife much more conscious and much more restrictive about the products you purchase? I'm assuming the answer, of course, would be yes. Yes. Now, me and my wife always, anything we buy, we turn to the back and look at the ingredients. Uh, that's the first thing we do. And then we go to their website, look at the FAQ document and see what ingredients are listed there. What we found out, the cosmetic industry criteria or framework allows you to list certain ingredients based on the product, but anything below 1%, 
which is in a cosmetic product, which is classed as a wipe off product. Um, you don't have to list those ingredients. And this is how the big uh, um, organizations get away with putting in harsher chemicals, but in theory, they don't have to declare it. But uh, what we found out is that if you go to their website, go to FNQQ, they try to list uh, very small little writing what's available. So now me and my wife are very conscious of what we buy and very detailed and very specific on the products and what goes in the product. In our life, we try to make, like we make our own barrier cream at home uh, ingredients um, and we use creams that we've made ourselves knowing what goes into it. And, you know, the philosophy that now we're bringing to our own lifestyle, which has been from, okay, let's think about natural and do it to now, no, we're only doing natural and on the way we're going natural. It means it's kind of completely diverted to, to that aspect of our life uh, only organic natural ingredients and things like that is that's our mandate now and we will not go back because we've seen what it could be i'm absolutely going to ask you a little bit later on what your best tips are for parents looking to limit their exposure to potentially hazardous chemicals but let's now go back in time to the beginning of your story. We're jumping all around on the timeline, but baby wipes that you see, you know, on the store shelf, the big names, I'm not going to name them, but what are some of the potentially unhealthy ingredients in them? The standard common ingredients that you see is alcohol or ethanol uh, or benzene chloride, probines, those and fragrances. Those are foreign chemicals that are added to preserve the wipes or make the wipes smell nice, which are very harmful to kids and irritation. There was a study done by a lady by the name of Rosie Nixon. She's at the Skin and Cancer Foundation, and she found out one in 10 babies are alleged to come on baby wipes. That's a issue in the development world, right, due to the fact that we've uh, been producing so many of these wipes with these chemicals that are meant to kill bacteria at a high grade that is coming through to a really sensitive skin that is, is absorbing it. And so this is why the uh, uh, babies nowadays are allergic to baby wipes or allergic to mostly common ingredients that we want growing up because uh, back then, years ago, uh, baby wipes weren't as, as popular or whatever it may be. It was, it's, it's changed. So it's those chemical-based ingredients which makes the wipes cheaper uh, to sell. Hmm. Your answer makes me think about all the other baby products on the market that we lather on our newborns and toddlers because that's what we do. Shampoo, lotion, you know, we don't lather a diaper on, but conventional diapers have a host of chemicals within them. I would say that the potentially hazardous substances in the conventional varieties of these products are particularly concerning because Research finds that exposure to such chemicals in critical windows of development can have lifelong effects on the health of the baby as the baby grows. 
it's not just the ingredients that goes into it. Um, it's one aspect, the chemical ingredients, but the material that's used, like the cloth, for example, is uh, made from plastic materials, which uses a chemical formulation, which is then put into a wood pulp environment and made into a cloth. Then you have the normal ingredients and with those chemical ingredients as well as those plastic ingredients used, you get cross contaminations. Now you're getting within the wipes packet a form of a chemical compound which is a lot more harmful than the actual ingredients being added to it. And that's the research that we found, which was like so shocked about not just the ingredients, but the combinations of everything, uh, cross contamination, which then causes even more of a dangerous chemical compound. From that research, we started off looking at the natural ingredients in the market. Like I said, we started off with uh, beeswax and coconut oil and chamomile. That was our foundation of the formula. We was never a business idea. So as we start using it, our son's rashes and everything disappeared. My business partner now, his son was going through a similar issue. So we just gave it to him, said, let's just use the wipes and see how you go. He loved it. His wife loved it. Uh, my brother had a similar issue and I gave it to him and then sort of kind of snowballed from there. And then what we realized, like, okay, look, this is a potential business. What we can do? Wow, that's such a story. And you said a lot there that, I want to cover the first big piece of information you gave to me that, you know, was shocking to me personally as a consumer of wipes that I never thought of was that conventional wipes are made of plastic. I never thought of it. And I'm willing to bet a lot of listeners listening right now maybe never thought of that either. And yours are made from wood pulp. So talk to me about the quality of Nikki's. Is one wipe enough? No, right? With any babies. You say one wipe is never enough. And the, the, our wipe is, from the ingredients you heard, uh, we use wood pulp as the cloth. We also have the cloth tested for over 150 foreign chemicals. And it gets done by an independent company called Ocratech. Uh, and they give a certification. Why we do that is that what we found in other cloth, there's a cross-contamination we talked about before. So we have that tested to validate if there's anything more than 0.1% of foreign chemicals in there, the cloth uh, gets deemed as not safe and it gets pushed and it still goes into production, but just not for what the purpose that we want it for. So we get that certified. So there's zero plastic and zero foreign chemicals. And our cloth is slightly thicker as well. So in theory, the way we looked at it, it's like, okay, we made the cloth slightly bigger than the common baby wipes itself. Um, so we absorb more of the ingredients. Normally, uh, for a newborn, you look looking at about four to five sheets uh, to clean. Women will use roughly two to three sheets per change. Men will use about six to eight sheets per change, right? Uh, being a father, we're not as efficient as women. You guys got an art of making it perfect my wife when she cleans the bum is so efficient and precise and does it with three sheets and compared to when i do it or my business partner do it is very different the sustainable minimalist podcast is supported by forager project forager is a family-owned 100 organic plant-based food company dedicated to improving the health of both humans and the planet. Their hero ingredient, organic cashews, 
creates the creamiest, most delicious base for its yogurts, kefirs, and sour cream. As a mom, I'm thrilled that Forager's yogurts contain all the probiotic goodness of traditional yogurt, but without the dairy. Only for our podcast listeners, Forager is offering a limited offer coupon for a free cup of yogurt at foragerproject.com forward slash cultivate health. And while you're there, check out hundreds of delicious and easy to make dairy free recipes. That's www.foragerproject.com forward slash cultivate health. Now back to the interview. I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk about how we can all protect our babies from potentially hazardous substances. So if we're not talking about diaper changing and wiping bottoms, are there other ways that you can suggest to listeners today to help our children avoid these toxic substances? It's in this modern age, it's very difficult to avoid so many substances that we found and even we tried. The best thing is to look at what's in the ingredients list and be mindful of what's going there. Most of the stuff you can make at home and it doesn't take long. So if you pull up, so if you need a barrier cream, for example, that you use or sorbeline, you can buy beeswax and just go melt it at home and add a little bit of coconut and that's your barrier cream made. Right? And it takes roughly three, four minutes to do. It's not a hard process. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of time. And then you know what goes into it. And the, the aspect of me, what me and my wife kind of preach is that we are realizing it's difficult to be completely natural because the world that we live in, but we try to be selective in the choices that we make and be educated in what we're picking up from the shelves. And that's what we found allowed us to limit a foreign toxin coming in into our kids. It is hard, especially in 2021, to completely eliminate exposure. I think there are definitely ways, though, to minimize exposure without hopefully breaking the bank. Unfortunately, <laughs> minimizing exposure also comes at a higher price point. And the first way that, of course, comes to mind for me is eating organic. Well, yes, you're minimizing yours and your child's exposure to pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, but organic produce often costs significantly more. You had mentioned switching to organic cotton clothing. That is another great way to minimize your child's exposure to potentially hazardous chemicals, switching your child's bedding, crib or mattress bedding to organic cotton is another great way. But I'm, I guess my question here is, when you and your wife are shopping and are purchasing items for your household, for your son, what are you on the lookout for? We, spot on, we try to buy organic. So we get in Australia, we're blessed, uh, very different to the US in the sense that we've got a lot of local farmers. So we get our vegetable delivered from a farm, which is about... 45 kilometers from where we live and it gets delivered uh, once a week and is whatever vegetables and produce that the farmer's growing at that time and in season. We found that's been really amazing and it's also cheaper than going to a supermarket Well, we have a big supermarket called Woolworth and you buy organic ingredients from there buying four or five individual ingredients it's the same price as me buying vegetables from the farmer 
who lasts me a week and a half with all natural ingredients that he grew without using anything else. So being conscious of those decisions, and I think America's are coming that way. When I was there, there's quite a few, you know, uh, city farmers who are doing that, are buying, you know, uh, herbs and naturally grown on the uh, on the rooftops and kind of selling it to the common community. And then we're seeing a more of that coming through. And then when we go to supermarkets, we are mindful of making sure that the brand uh, and what we're buying specifies organic and natural. But now a lot of people are more aware of it, so you got a lot more options in Australia. And what we're also finding is that if less stuff we use, we don't, for example, for our son, we use Nikki's wipes. We don't use a barrier cream. And we don't use a cream unless it's specifically a skin irritation. So we use the wipes to wipe it down uh, after bath and stuff. So we use less product, which means that we don't have to buy more. So when we have, when he has a bath, we use a oil in his bathtub instead of shampoo or any of those chemicals because it dries out the skin. But the oil does just as well, like jojoba oil or coconut oil is part of the process in the bathing process. And we use warm tapid water instead of hot water so it doesn't dry out the skin. So therefore, you don't need to buy very expensive shampoos or conditioners and stuff to keep your child clean, right? So little things like that, you can make the right choices and don't have to buy the branded or expensive organic shampoo if the price point is not to your liking, for example. So we worked around that because me and my wife, I wouldn't say, you know, we can afford to buy the most expensive things. So we just had to find other ways of doing it. And what we found is that less was more uh, and we don't have to always listen to the hype. Making those small little changes and being smart about it, you can save a lot of money, but also make the right conversation having less toxic products in the household. Like we don't have candles for example but the wick is made of oil-based things so when you're burning it you're getting toxins in the house you bring up a lot of really good points there one was that when you buy less products you're just naturally limiting exposure right i know this in my own life a lot of times if i'm using one product okay well that one product might solve one problem but then it creates three more let's think about I don't know, body lotion, right? It solves the dry skin, but then it gives me a rash. So then, you know, you need to buy the cream to <laughs> fix the rash and or the, the irritated skin. And so I definitely think there's something to be said for minimizing the products that you use, really questioning whether this thing that you saw a commercial for is absolutely necessary. And in the cases where the product is necessary, perhaps you can use something you already have. And I know I've used this example on the podcast before, so forgive me, longtime listeners, but for me, coconut oil is my facial moisturizer, but it's also my makeup remover. I'm using one product for two functions, which means I no longer need to invest in makeup remover. So yeah. And by the way, coconut oil is like a wonder ingredient in the beauty realm. So <laughs> thank you for mentioning coconut oil. I want to ask you though about what your practices are around plastic in your own home. Are you actively avoiding it, especially with regard to food storage or not so much? Yes and no. So uh, like I said, we try to buy uh 
in Australia, we sort of bless. So all our natural ingredients come from the farmer. He just gives into a wooden box, which we leave outside. Then he collects when he drops it off. Um, but when you go and buy milk and those stuff, you get the naturally plastic uh, stuff that you can't avoid. It sort of comes through. So we avoid it as much as we can. But it's not like we can't have a zero plastic policy. You said a lot there. And I think that's a great place to leave it. You know, you can't in 2021 completely avoid plastic. You can't in 2021 completely avoid potentially hazardous chemicals in everyday products. And that's because, especially with the case of plastics, the fossil fuels industry is just so embedded in every aspect of a consumer's daily life. So I think maybe the end word here is it's not about 100% being amazing at avoiding. It's perhaps more about minimizing. Would you agree with that? 100%. Um, that's very true. It is a, more we minimize, more bigger company realize, okay, we need to do more and people are willing to make that change. And then the larger global corporations slowly switch. And, you know, smaller companies like myself, uh, another company called Great Rap, you know, these guys, uh, we are trying to be out of the norm and try to be uh, environment friendly, conscious, um, and supportive for our future kids and not thinking about the bottom line first. It's about what's going to be right for our kids, what's right for the future, what's right for our planet. Well, kudos to you and kudos to your mission. It is what's right for our kids and what's right for our, our planet. I have to ask you, where can my listeners and particularly my North American listeners find Nikki's Natural Wipes? On our website, nikkis.com, we have warehouses in the U.S., but also on Amazon as well. What I'd also like to add is that what makes our Nikki's Natural Wipes also unique, and we ship out of Australia as well as the U.S., due to the fact that our wipes only last 18 months um, from production. So it's a very short life cycle average wipes will last six years. So we produce wipes every six to eight months. We do a production run to manage that. And after opening our wipes only last two weeks. Well, thank you. I think it says a lot that your wipes only last 18 months. Perhaps the product that we use to wipe our beloved baby's bottoms should only <laughs> uh, last 18 months, right? Like wouldn't logic make that assumption. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And thank you for creating a company that seeks to do more good in the world. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. I really do. And um, yeah. I so hope you enjoyed that conversation with Suthan Naganagayam of Nikki's Natural Wipes. Now, as promised, I have 10 additional tips for you to help limit your baby and your child's exposure to potentially hazardous chemicals. So let's go right through them one by one. Number one, if you are breastfeeding, take steps to limit your own exposure. And that's because studies have shown that unhealthy chemicals can be easily passed through breast milk into your baby. Tip number two, 
is when you're painting the nursery, choose water-based and no VOC paint. So that's a great tip for your entire house, but especially for your child's bedroom. Tip number three is to remember that the thumb (laughs) is nature's pacifier. But if you do decide to use a conventional pacifier, make sure it is made from 100% hospital-grade silicone, not plastic. I have linked to one in the show notes if you're interested. Tip number four is to try and make your own baby food whenever possible, and then store that homemade baby food in glass jars or freeze it in metal or silicone ice cube trays. Stay away from those packets of mushed food that comes in a BPA-lined pouch. Tip number five is to use glass baby bottles. I've also seen stainless steel baby bottles on the market. Use glass or stainless steel. Make sure you have a silicone nipple on the bottle and stay away from the plastic wherever possible. Tip number six is to avoid any product that has a scent. Similarly, avoid products that boast antibacterial properties. Tip number seven is to get rid of air fresheners in your house, as the chemicals in air fresheners have long been linked to long-term health issues like ADD and ADHD, as well as diabetes and infertility. So get rid of the air fresheners, open a window, get a fragrancy plant. My favorite, of course, is gardenia. (laughs) Tip number eight is to avoid sunscreens with oxybenzone. But if you do use a sunscreen with oxybenzone, definitely avoid lathering that sunscreen with bug repellent at the same time because oxybenzone has been shown to enhance the absorption rate of DEET. Tip number nine is to make your own cleaning products. I've done an episode on this. I will link to it in the show notes. It's not hard. It's cheaper than buying the conventional chemical-laden stuff. And most importantly, in terms of the topic that we are discussing on this episode, Homemade cleansers will not pollute the air in your home. And finally, tip number 10 is to look for toys that are made of natural materials like wood and cotton. Stay away from plastic toys wherever possible, but especially stay away from soft plastic toys. I have an episode coming up in the next few weeks on how to create a minimalist and eco-friendly playroom. Stay tuned for that if you're interested. I will be back on Thursday of this week in two short days with a bonus episode that features real-life sustainable minimalist and podcast listener Muriel Garbarino. I will see you then. Have an amazing week. Stay home, stay healthy, and take care, my friends. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.